<laughs> I mean, California, you can't even fart without getting a ticket, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got to stick like a filter in your butthole to fart. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I mean, it's terrible. <laughs> anything. Welcome, everybody, to the Five Dirty Bikers Podcast. Are you following the Five Dirty Bikers on social media? Like us on Facebook and follow us at Twitter and Instagram at Five Dirty Bikers. And check out our brand new website at FiveDirtyBikers.com. What's your all situation there in California? Well, you know, Los Angeles, I think like New York, everything is all really heightened and, and over, uh, I think, exaggerated a little bit. So we were fortunate enough to be open uh, operating under essential businesses or whatever they're calling it. We have reduced hours. Unfortunately, we had to let go of a few people and we're just wearing the masks and just doing the sanit- you know, sanitizing everything. Just, you know, just doing those safety precaution things. So are you allowing customers actually in the store? We are. Yeah, we are. You got to wear a mask and do all and jump through all the hoops, but yeah, you can be in the store. We don't have any big, large gatherings or events right now. But yeah, people can come in, look at bikes, buy bikes, all that good stuff. Nice. Yeah, mine, you have to like call and they you buy whatever you need and they bring it out to you. You can't go in the actual building as of right. Well, this week they're opening up. We're, we're getting, loosening up a little bit here, but it's, it's been, it sucked for the last two months. Yeah, it's, it's been rough and yeah, no one knows really exactly how to operate under these new conditions. And so people are doing really in my opinion, kind of some weird stuff that they don't want to be doing, but everyone's just trying to stay within the bounds of the law and keep their doors open and do what they got to do. So, Matt, have you, have you guys seen, is, did it take a big hit to your sales or anything like that? Are you guys still moving bikes pretty well? We're, I thought it would be a lot worse than it is. We're still selling bikes. Really the biggest problem right now is we're running out of stuff. And so they closed down the factory, York, Pennsylvania and, and so they haven't shipped anything for, I want to say, close to two months now. We're getting some stuff here in three or four weeks, which is a huge lifeline. But, you know, we're, you know, we're down to about a third of what we normally have in stock. So that's our biggest thing. I'm doing just a lot of dealer trades right now because it seems like everything people are asking for, we don't have. And so I'm searching, you know, the surrounding dealerships to see if they'll trade with me. So it's, it's been a pain. So out of 3,000 bucks that you normally have, you only have 2,000 bucks in the showroom. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think the perception is that we have a million bikes. I mean, we don't. I mean, we, we probably, you know, during this time, you know, we might have 130 new and we might have about 80 or 90 used. So... You know, we, we don't, I mean, there's, there's plenty of dealers out there that have larger inventories than us. I mean, we're definitely one of the bigger in the country, but there's, I mean, there's some really big dealers out there that make us look small. Yeah. Have you found it to be, uh, you know, you had to take that video down being a content creator and, uh, you know, working in, in a part owner in a dealership, have you found it difficult to kind of navigate that, um, kind of those waters of, of what you can say and can't say and, and what can be out there and what maybe people want to know and that kind of stuff. 100%. And that's actually a, a pretty good question. Um, yeah, it's on one hand, I'm, I'm an enthusiast like everybody else where I, I want to you know celebrate the brand and just kind of be free to speak 
what I want to say. And for the most part, I do that. Um, of course, I you know work at a dealership. I'm privy to information that is sensitive and that is for you know dealers and, and inside the business only, which I can totally appreciate. Every business has to operate with some type of uh, inside exclusivity, you know, information, whatever. But yeah, it's, it's, it's always a fine line, you know, saying and being honest and transparent. That's one of the things that I think people like about my channel is even though I am a dealer, yes, I sell motorcycles. That's how I make money. I always just try to tell people the pros and cons of every bike and, and, you know, try to try to guide them the best I can without, I guess, crossing the line and, and, saying things I, I shouldn't, but yeah. Is that difficult to do a bike review when you're a giant? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, he's sitting there talking. Ryan's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> huge, man. Yeah, I'm a giant dude. <laughs> oh, how tall are you, Ryan? I'm 6'3". <clears throat> okay, yeah. Are so. you at 6'6"? Six, six? Yeah, I'm 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny because uh, every time someone comes into the dealership and meets me for the first time, the first thing every single one of them says is, wow, you're a lot taller in real life than you are on camera. (laughs) I don't know if they think that I'm lying about my height. (laughs) Yeah, I'm legitimately six foot six inches. But yeah, Tony, to answer your question, yeah, some of the bikes, I just, I'm almost doing it an injustice because with a tall guy on some of these bikes, like a Sportster, I just make the bike look bad because, you know, it just, it it looks better with a human being of the proper size on it. You know what I mean? You just told people, Hey, we just hired a lot of short employees. Yeah. <laughs> this bike is actually a lot bigger in real life. <laughs> hey, that slim review you put out the other day is legit, man. That is a real, that was a good one. The intro was excellent. I thought. Thank you. And you know, I, I can't take any credit for that video. Uh, my coworker, oh, Nick. Yeah. My coworker, Nick, there's, He's probably put out like six or seven videos on my YouTube channel. And you always know if it's his video because he's narrating it instead of I, instead of me. But he, uh, yeah, he's, you know, the, the, the channel workload has gotten to a point where it's like, I have, unless I kind of sub some of it out and let people help me, there's no way I can kind of keep up with regular content. So thankfully I had Nick and he, he helped me out a lot with like, he, he's real into the, the whole videography side of it as well. So yeah, he put that whole thing together. Yeah, I was going to ask because, like, yeah, he had some sweet, like, silky smooth, like, B-roll shots. I don't know if he used a slider, but, man, that that pan, the pan he was doing on the tank and everything was just smooth. Yeah, we've got a slider. We've got a really oh. good tripod with, like, a fluid head that we mm-hmm. pan with that is really nice. And he's, I mean, he's got his computer stuff, or, his, excuse me, his camera that he has is actually better than my camera. So, he's really into the whole videography thing right now. What, what camera are you using? He's got a Fuji, um, and I can't remember, like a V3. I can't remember the exact model, but yeah, he's shooting on a Fuji. I shoot on a camera, on a Canon. I have a couple different Canons. I have a G7X, and I have a, uh, an 80D, which is a DSLR. Yeah, it's a solid camera. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's been around for a while. It's not new by any stretch, but it's still kind of tried and true. Yeah. And then all my, my action stuff, I just use GoPros. Everything I shoot is, is GoPro. Yeah. Yeah. One of your oldest video, or I can't say oldest, older videos was a uh, uh, inspiration of a mod I just did on my bike. So I just put um, Lucky Dave's Lucky 13s on my Road King. And uh, I, I saw that you guys had a, you had a video, an older one a while back that's, you know, somebody had put, you had done what video with a bike that had those on there and 
rode it around the parking lot or whatever. And I'm like that I'm, I'm doing that right now. So that's yeah, a great look, man. Yeah. Yeah. I have a 2017 and road King special. So it was, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and that has been by far my favorite thing I've done to it. Those bars officially give Ryan the uh, go ahead to lay down on the ground and get tea bagged. <laughs> well, why, why, why is that <laughs> mike is not a fan of the tea bars uh, okay gotcha. <laughs> bars, or, or, tea or bars are for tea or dinas yeah i don't I fuck a dina too i don't <laughs> what do you write, sport, uh <laughs> as of today i ride a 2020 uh honda crf 450l oh nice so, yeah I rode a, uh, rode a sporty for quite a while and did a few mods to it and then, uh, wanted to go a little more off road. And so that's why I went with, uh, I did have a KLR for a while and well, I had a KLR for about seven months, seven or eight months and then got rid of that and got the CRF. Nice. I think I heard you talking about your KLR on one of your past episodes or something. I always talk about the KLR. <laughs> I can't talk about it anymore. I'm sick of hearing about that fucker. <laughs> He's going to miss that yellow bike. Y'all know he is. Yeah, I got wings now, though. I'm red. That's Bull. right. Under red. Honda <laughs> for the win. <laughs> I'm celebrating. I made the mistake of taking my four-year-old to the dealership and sitting him on one of those little e-bikes. Oh, yeah. They're, they're a blast. They're, they're a lot of fun. Are you guys selling any of those? You know, we don't, we don't even carry them. I, I wish we did, but um, yeah, the, the collective decision of, you know, my family members, my, my uncle, uh, who's one of the, the owners, he just didn't see it as far as, you know, sales and profitability. So we don't, we don't carry them. I wish we did. I think they would do well. We turned down customers for them, you know, on a semi-frequent basis. So. How about the, the, the live wire? Have you had any luck with those? Um, not especially to be honest. Uh, yeah, we've only sold a couple, so yeah, not great, man. Yeah. Not, no. too, not too many, not, not too many sheiks coming into, uh, <laughs> to yeah. California. Yeah, no. <laughs> Oil tycoons. yeah, no, yeah. not too many of those, which is, you know, I mean, there's plenty of people with money in Southern California. And so for a vehicle like that, where, you know, Southern California people have really adopted that technology as well. And they have the money. That's kind of scary in my eyes. You know, I, I live in you know a pretty prime area of the country to sell that type of a vehicle and they're not really selling. So yeah, it's, I, I knew it wasn't going to be like a real fast mover, but honestly it's, it's even underperforming from, from my low expectations. So yeah, not, not too good. Yeah, well, I know my dealer's got three and an employee bought one and the other two are still in the showroom floor. Yeah. Well, who's your dealer? Uh, Bluegrass, Harley Davidson. Okay. Yeah. They're, no, I'm sorry. What, where's that again? What's in Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. But yeah, no, they, they're impressive though. I rode it. I mean, it's an impressive bike. Yeah, they really are. I mean, they, Harley made a great machine. I mean, for what it is, an EV motorcycle, the thing's badass. Yeah. It's just that, I don't know, there's just not too many core Harley Davidson guys that are looking for that type of technology and you combine that with the high price tag and people just, you know, it just doesn't make sense for most people. Yeah. I think it's, the, I think they came in about eight grand too high personally. Yeah. Yeah. If they were in the low twenties, I think we might have more takers, 
but you know, it, it was, it was Harley's halo model, you know, where they, it's their all in, you know, it's kind of like the S uh, Tesla model S where yeah. you, know, you had to pay $90,000 to get in the game to begin with. And you had those early adopters that had money that got it and bought, bought into the, the novelty to a certain extent. And now they have the model three. So opening it up to the masses. And I think Harley wanted to kind of have a similar uh, structure in how they launched their EV lineup. Cause I do know they are going to be releasing some lower tier pricing uh, EV vehicles in the future. But yeah, if your cash flow doesn't really, uh, isn't really there, it's going to be hard to sustain, you know, R and D and everything. So oh, for sure. I don't know. Yeah. It, it was a tough one. I was impressed with it though. When I saw it, I was really, I wasn't, my expectations weren't very high. And then mm-hmm. when I actually saw it and rode it, I was like, this is an amazing bike. It's just expensive as hell. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the opinion shared by most people that ride it. Let's talk about your, what, what was that damn bike that you, what was the coast, the coast glide? Oh yes. Let's please talk about that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's that's nah, Dustin's nah. all time favorite. As a man who has a sport glide, I gotta, we gotta dive into this a little bit more because I know you were on the, the live stream with uh, dirty D's and I, I think I called in and I had a couple questions for you about it, but I really want to know more about like why you chose that bike and if you can tell people like how much money went into that to make one of those, I mean, man, it's a freaking good looking bike too. Remember yeah. they sell them, Dustin. He can't, he can't I know. disclose <laughs> cost. He can, he can tell you how much it would cost to buy one price. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I, I can, uh, I can talk about that. It's not a big deal. Um, at least in general terms, but uh, yeah, we started, I mean, you guys probably all know about the battle of the Kings and why we built the bike. You know, it was a inter dealer competition that was worldwide. And I want to say worldwide, there are about 300 dealers that participated. And you basically had to start with either a touring chassis or a soft tail chassis motorcycle. And you just, you know, you just built it up. There are a few rules like you, you could only spend half of MSRP on actual building it you had to use 50 percent of those custom parts where had to be genuine harley davidson and really the inspiration that we kind of tried to live by when we built the bike was we wanted to build a bike that if in our opinion if harley davidson rolled it off their factory production line it would sell really really well yeah i would sell my bike in a second for one of those not even a question (laughs) i I go to i go buy one tomorrow if they had it if they rolled it out but i grew i grew up on on an fxr so Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah. I love the FXRs. They're, they're legendary within the Harley lineup. Yeah. I mean, that, that reconfirms, you know, uh, the, well, it confirms, I should say that we did a good job in kind of our objective of making a bike that people wanted, but we started with the sport glide just a lot because we, we wanted the soft tail first of all, because we wanted uh, the mid frame, uh, the mid size uh, cruiser frame in the soft tail because we wanted to make it a little bit more performance focused as as much of a performance bike as a cruiser can be, you know, and we also liked the bags that came on the sport glide and it was a newer style that Harley had just came out with. Uh, I believe the sport glide was like halfway through the 18 model year. And, yeah. and we definitely wanted to do that. The retro FXRT fairing. We felt like Russ Wernemont's was the best. So I hit him up and um, yeah, to answer your question about the price and everything. So, you know, a, a lot of the stuff and everything was just comps to us. And we, we paid for very little on that bike, um, which is why we were able to do it all and still be within the, the confines of the, the competition rules. And quite frankly, everybody that made it to the, the end, they all 
I mean, if you paid retail, even, even at a dealership's cost, none of those dealerships spent half of MSRP on those bikes. You know, they, they all either did it themselves or got it, you know, comped with relationships or whatever they had with their shop. But yeah, the, the Coast Glide retail, we retail those. We've sold a, a couple of them now. We did one on a Lowrider S. Maybe you guys saw that video I did as well. But, you know, those bikes were selling for anywhere between uh, fifty and $57,000. And, um, yeah, our, our, our cost into it, you know, it's, it's not – we don't make as much as you guys may think. You know, we, we probably make about, you know, 15% on one of those, something like that. So, I mean, the powder coat alone has to cost a fortune. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the powder coating and the paint alone is about 10 grand. Yeah. So well, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people have been painting the bags on theirs and I, oh God, I, it's, it's like, I want to, but I just want to keep, I like the way they look now. I almost wonder why they didn't go full gloss paint on the bags, but I mean, after you look about it, like the way the bike is, you know, it's got the chrome, it's got like the powder coated head or like the rocker box heads or whatever in the engine. It just, it just all works. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I agree with you though. Um, I think a lot of guys would want the, a, a nice painted gloss finish on the bags from the factory. So it'd be nice if they did that's that in the future. Thing. That's the one thing about it. You don't ever go full, full gloss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is that's that's a nice bike i think i think Dude, the one thing that i that i think that you guys connected to was your uh you know staying true to what what you'd see um in southern california i mean like you said that that you know that fxr style is is certainly still very popular in in california and uh, th- those bikes definitely have a cult following right now, uh, you know, across the country, but still very much in, in California. And to kind of do a bike that's, uh, you know, like a modern throwback, I think that was a, I think that was that was probably a great idea. So, was there any one person that was a was a credit to um, coming up with the idea? Did any one person say, "Hey, this is what we should do"? You know, it's kind of funny. We had talked, we're always talking around the shop about what we're hoping Harley should do, you know, what, what they should do. And so it was just the bike that we had been talking about for years that Harley Davidson should make. But, you know, myself and Keith Hurt, our service department manager, are really the guys that, you know, put it all on paper, like the concept and the idea. And then as you start building, you start tweaking things here and there. And a lot of those, you know, after the, after the fact, tweaks and changes are probably attributed most to Jamie and Steve, you know, two of the techs that were on the, on the job. So yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't some like brainchild that like, we were like, okay, let's think of an idea. Now that there's a competition. No, it, it was an idea and a bike that we had just all wanted for a long time. Well, it's a damn good looking bike. And I, I noticed that you're starting your own podcast. Is that correct? Yeah, in fact, uh, I'm editing our second episode today, um, nice. so that should be posted tonight or tomorrow morning. Cool. Yeah, I was watching the news, and they were talking about online sales, and I think podcast gear last month was up 427% or something. Yep, I saw that too. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that, yeah. We, uh, we bought our, we got one of those Rode podcaster devices, and we, uh, they were like all sold. We had a hard time finding it. And like ours was delayed and yeah, it's crazy. Like people are just snapping that stuff up on, on Amazon right now because of the whole quarantine thing. Yeah. It's crazy. Crazy. Yeah, I couldn't find, I was looking for the cam link so I can, cause I'm running my, my DSLR, my Canon 
And I was like, God damn it. Like they've been sold out for like two months, but I finally found another one that's actually working really well that uh, I had to spend a little bit more for, but even still you can't find that cam lake anywhere. But then Canon releases was software to where it makes all these cameras uh, streamable with just a USB cable and a, and what is it? A micro USB? Yeah, you just need the USB cable to plug it in the computer, and they have a software you can run. I was like, like "Son of a bitch!" The webcam. Yeah. Mm. Oh well. Yeah. No, I got fucked you, on that deal. If you bought it on, <laughs> if you bought it on Amazon, I'd return that bitch. No, I bought it right from the the company. I'm gonna keep Amazon it delivered by Pony Express right now. I mean, it takes two <laughs> months to get it. Yeah. Just because you're used to getting everything overnight, Tony. Some somebody with the car just pulls up to your driveway and opens up their trunk and takes out whatever you need and hands it to you. Well, the, the warehouse is right across the river in Indiana, so we get same day service. Well, we did, but not anymore. Oprah Rich. <laughs> there he has passed the title. I have. It's Tony's now. <laughs> I'm gonna go to Tony's house here in a month. I'm gonna meet caviar and. Fucking tomahawk get, steaks. Get a goddamn piece of bologna. <laughs> <laughs> Easy now. <laughs> you go down to Moby Dick's and get a big old yeah. sack. <laughs> they still have to sled dog stuff up to us, so. King of the North. Yeah, that's right. King of, so, Matt, are you guys planning on doing another one of those bikes? If they do it again? So, we, uh, another Coast Glide bike or another Battle Or another team? style like that. We we're right now we're kind of taking orders from customers um, and that's kind of filling our time. We did the Coast Glide two and maybe you saw that on my channel and it was basically the same as the the one with just a different paint and color scheming. It was a lot of blue highlights as opposed to orange. Yeah. And um, and then we did we did Marco's bike for him, which was the the video I posted. I think I titled it a retro FXRT fairing on a lowrider S or something like that. And it, it was basically a Coast Glide setup on a Lowrider S. And that, that bike turned out awesome. I'd say it's better than the Coast Glide. Um, and so, you know, just to build and have one on the floor, probably not. Because we actually have our Coast Glide 2 still on the floor available for sale. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just, that's just a lot of money and resources tied up to be sitting on the floor. And so, we try not to have anything, you know, that big and expensive and, uh, labor and parts intensive, you know, just sitting on the floor. So, I mean, we'll have like one or two of those bikes at any given time, but you don't want to build 10 of them and just have them all sitting there, you know, cause yeah, it does yeah. take, it takes a high dollar, you know, customer to, to come in and pick something like that up. Yeah. Cause that's, that's pricier than a CVO pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they are. It's better than a CVO. Yeah. It's <laughs> definitely better. So let's Arguably. talk about the rewire, man. Everybody is in uproar about Harley's new mission statement and, they go from what open roads to rewire. Am I right on that? Open roads was it or down the road? What was it? It was more roads. More roads, yeah. Yeah. So, what's your take on that? Um, my take is that you know Harley has been criticized for a long time for sticking with their core customer, baby boomers, and kind of doing the same thing for a long time, which I, I can agree with to a certain extent. I mean, they had a lot of success at it. You know, why, why fix something that is working well for you? For sure. so the problem is, is I think they're just very slow to adapt. And there's just been a lot of criticism uh, that they're just not appealing to the new generation, the millennials. And so they then took like a huge shift to now, okay, we got to, 
really start appealing to these guys. Well, I think in the process after three, four years of really making this big uh, change 180 shift to now focusing all the resources on the younger demographic. I think a lot of the baby boomers were like, uh, Hey guys, remember us? We're still alive. We're still buying a lot of motorcycles from you. And so I think, uh, you know, there's, there's that real big investment firm that owns a lot of Harley stock. I think they're called Impala or something like that. And so there's a lot of pressure from them. At least that's what I read in all the financial news. There's a lot of pressure from them to, you know, stick to, the air-cooled V-twin core, you know, Harley-Davidson engineering and demographics that Harley-Davidson has made their money on. And, and so I feel like they're not going to get rid of the more roads initiative completely, but I, I feel like they're going to now start to focus more on, okay, let's go back to us. Let's go back to the, you know, the, the guys that have more of that disposable income, maybe you're, you know, 50 year old, whatever, and, you know, what that looks like in, in actuality, I don't know yet. You know, that's just kind of what they're talking about at this point. And they're calling it the rewire, which quite frankly, I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, vague on exactly what, what that means specifically still. But I just described it to you the best of my knowledge, at least. Yeah, it's, it's pretty vague out there. And especially because you've probably seen the, the Pan American, the Bronx and all that in person, haven't you? Oh, yeah. They look badass. Yeah, they're do they are, and they're they're going to be a badass too. Um, I mean, they you know I saw it at ICMA in Italy at the ICMA show. They had it there for public viewing. They've had them at a lot of the international motorcycle shows as well for public viewing. And so, um, and they've talked about you know what they're going to be. And they're I know a lot of people are worried that wow Harley's getting into these segments where it's really competitive, and you know you got to be light and you got to have the horsepower and you got to have the price point. Harley, I'm Harley's going to do it. You know, I, I think there's a lot of people thinking that maybe Harley can't do it. Harley's going to do it. These bikes are going to be badass. Like I'm, I'm really looking forward to them. Yeah. The, the Bronx looks pretty badass and the Pan America. If the, I think if the price is right on that, it'll be a good bike. Yeah. If, if they hit the price point. Yeah. We'll see. What, what's your uh, take on sporties? You, you think they're leaving? You think they're gone? Well, um, what I do know is that, emissions is always an ongoing problem for them, which is too bad. I mean, this is my own personal opinion, but I mean, motorcycles and emissions, come on guys. Like you're talking about, you know, four cylinder cars going down the road that have way more emissions than the worst burning two cylinder bike out there. You know, why you, why you harping on the, the, uh, the motorcycle guys, you know, but anyways, that's besides the point, but yeah, I mean, especially Europe, European laws are getting more and more strict. And so Harley Davidson, obviously they, they build their bikes to be sold globally. So they have to kind of adhere to the strictest emission laws in the world. And so that then kind of affects us here, us over here in the United States, you know, California obviously has really strict laws as well, which uh, in a way kind of uh, affects the rest of the country. Uh, Dude, Prop as... 65, I know it very well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, California, you can't even fart without getting a ticket, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got to stick like a filter in your butthole to fart. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's terrible. do anything. Here, dude, take this 20, uh, 21 micron before you cross the border. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you got to take yeah, yourself in for a smog test. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. It's crazy. Yeah, and I'm all about clean air, don't get me wrong, but yeah, I think it's out of control. So, but especially for motorcycles, like, why? 
get, get like the big like trucks or something, you know, like bikes, come on, two cylinder bikes. Anyways, man, you should see some of the trucks around here. They, 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 people just, they, they soup them up to make noise and they're just blowing out fucking black exhaust smoke, like everywhere. It's like a, it's like a show. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, when you're, when you're flexing on, on how much you can pollute. Okay. That's a problem at that point. But anyways, yeah, I think I think guys who have diesels that just pour smoke out, those are the type of guys that would ride a Donna. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like the Dyna bro, Mike? No, he's not I'm a fan of the Dyna. I'm a I'm a, a I'm a sportster guy. You can't tell me that anchovies that that they're yeah, sons, that damn son's anchovy show with that blonde girl as the lead character <laughs> whatever her name was you know i i share some of your sentiment there mike um cinnamon, you know, like cinnabon <laughs> well i share some of your opinion i should say but um yeah the, i mean the sons of anarchy thing i i honestly tried to watch it like four times because it was this motorcycle phenomenon you know within the the community and I couldn't get into it. I don't know if it was just that I, I, it was so far from what reality is. I could never really get into it where I was looking forward to watching every episode. I had to like force myself to watch like six or seven episodes. And that was about all I could do. I got to admit, I, I, I actually, I watched it. I watched the whole damn show twice. I actually liked it. And I didn't get, you know, I, I, I didn't think, I, I didn't think it was all like a hundred percent true. Like that's really, everything that happens with with the clubs or everything because i know a couple guys in some clubs around here i mean they're not one percenters but i think well, it's, it, i think it's highly exaggerated but it, it is and i know? mean that's that's hollywood and i have no problem watching you know hollywood movies you know i i don't know i just maybe it's just because i'm so close to the industry i just i just it just i don't know i don't know what it was i just i did not really enjoy the show where i was like addicted to it where i couldn't put it down i wish i was, it was quite be- frankly you know it was all the Donnas, and it was all the fingerless gloves. <laughs> I, I mean, we, when we had Maxwell on, he said his his take was really interesting. He said um, he thought it was really funny that everybody was pissed off about the Dyna until they eliminated it, and then everybody thought it was the best bike ever made. You know, he's like, I sat there for watching those things sit on the showroom floor for years and not sell. And then they eliminate it and they're like, oh, the Dyna's the best bike ever. We got to bring it back. Yeah, we, I had a little bit of the scarcity effect, but we sold Dyna's. We sold the heck out of Dyna's before they, they went away. I mean, especially the Lowrider S when that came out, people were all about that. But I think the, the culture and the Harley Davidson, you know, preferences are a lot different in Southern California you know, than they are, you know, in um, the South, wherever John's from. What state is he from? Georgia. 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 Yeah. So Georgia. I, wonder if, I wonder if Blockhead had a big, a big push on the, on the lowrider S since he bought that. Cause you know, that guy's really pushing some HD sales. He's gotta be the way he's For been sure. the last handful of years with this channel. I mean, he's a big reason why I got an iron, but you know, you know, the iron 883 was, became really, really popular because of that guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, Blackhead has, a, I mean, he's, he blew up his channel exploded. I mean, he's got a, and he's really, he's really authentic. Um, you know, I got to give credit to the guy. He's authentic. He just, 
he's, he's passionate about motorcycles and yeah, I'm sure he's influenced thousands of people to buy bikes. Absolutely. I know he, he gets them right off, hot off the press. I know that when those things are released. He usually has it the next day. Yeah, I know. Um, and I mean, I don't, I don't have a personal relationship with blockhead. I just watch his stuff and I know he's watched some of mine, but yeah, he, uh, over there, uh, the, the States on the East coast that are a little bit closer to like the factory. I feel like they get their bikes sooner than we do in California. And so, yeah, he'll, he'll be putting a review out or something. I'm like, dude, they're doing reviews already. I haven't even got the bike yet. So yeah, he <laughs> so had, has in the middle, in the middle of the, in the middle of the country here, it'll be like two months before we get it. Cause you know how it is, man. Everything <laughs> comes in from the coast and then it meets about where I'm sitting. It's in the middle. Well, yeah, well, yeah well, I guess in some we, we just, we just but... discovered cell phones two years ago. <laughs> great in, great invention they're, they're remarkable they're so handy i got internet hooked up last week <laughs> he was using a carrier pigeon two years ago he was just strapping it's, notes on a bird true it's I, amazing i was walking to, walking to work with my snowshoes <laughs> so, so matt when you split lanes there in california does that make you nervous or you, is it just second nature to you it's it's second nature but it does. It can make me nervous. And the thing that I think people don't understand that haven't done it is not all freeways are created equally. And what I mean by that is there are some freeways that have a big buffer between uh, the high occupancy vehicle lane, what we call the diamond lane in California and the, the number two lane. And so some of these freeways, there's a pretty dang big gap there where you can split and it's no problem. There's no fear there, but there's some freeways where, there isn't really a buffer there at all. And e- even I, having done it for most of my life, I'll, I'll, you know, pucker up every once in a while when a car starts moving <laughs> over or when, so, yeah. So it's, it's, it's still sketchy. And I don't care how good you are. It's sketchy and it, there's a risk every time you do it. But you know, there's been plenty of studies done as well that, say that splitting lanes, lane filtering, whatever you want to call it, is actually safer than sitting in the lane in some circumstances. And so if you practice good judgment and you don't go too much faster than the traffic around you, it's not that dangerous. And if you're only splitting when guys are moving, you know, zero to 30 or 40 miles an hour, and you're doing, you know, maybe five or 10 miles an hour more faster than they are, the risk is actually not as bad as some people might think. Oh man, I watch your your videos when you do, and I'm like leaning with you. I'm like, holy shit, man, it's tight. <laughs> That's what she said. And you're doing that on a street glide, right? <laughs> yeah, a lot, yeah. And I've I've hit people's mirrors and stuff too, which oh, I'm not shit. bragging. I'm not bragging about, but. You know, it, it, I made it you happens. hit today. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah, we used I've, to hit mailboxes with baseball bats. How many did you hit today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've driven yeah, on the well, California freeway before. That shit was insane. Yeah, <laughs> it scared me in a car. Yeah, you you got it. And once you know the roads and you kind of know, you get acclimated to it. Things become less intimidating, like in, like anything in life. But it's it's not something you just visit the state of California on and you just go out there and do like, you, you kind of got to know what you're doing. I, I will say that California drivers are pretty good about uh, being aware of motorcyclists and most of them, not all of them will oftentimes move out of the way for you as well. 
And so it's, it's kind of nice because, you know, drivers welcome it in, in a lot of circumstances. I tell you what, Fort Lauderdale, people drive like assholes. <laughs> They're going to send that tweet. They don't give a fuck. Dude, that's because everybody down there is like 95 years old. <laughs> I mean, that's the problem. I mean, Jesus, they can't see. I tell you, yeah. it was bad. Yeah. Like every everywhere I went, like I'm glad my hotel was, like I said, only uh, like quarter mile or so from where I was shooting that day. But Jesus Christ, man, like everybody is, is like this and the car's moving. I'm like, shit, how are, how are more people not dead? <laughs> yeah, you know, what you do is you just surround your car with tires and tape the horn down. <laughs> just roll it out. <laughs> just uh, we'll yeah. call up the guy from Cyclops and just surround your car with LEDs. Nobody, nobody will mess with you. It'd be if a goddamn would, traffic jam because they would all stop. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't see a goddamn thing. <laughs> so, Matt, what's your take on this new CEO? Do you think a guy from what selling? sneakers and toothpaste is going to pull this company to where it needs to be? Uh, you know, I think it's a good change. Uh, I, uh, I, I kind of shared what I feel like maybe your opinion is and it's like, okay, well, a guy that's done Colgate and Puma, you know, what does he know about motorcycles? But I, I, I wouldn't say that completely. I, I think the guy, I, I looked into his, you know, his record and, and look and, you know, read about him and, and stuff like that. And he, he's, he's a smart guy you know, straight up. He, he's a, he's a very savvy business guy. And I think it's a nice change um, and no disrespect to the former leadership at Harley Davidson as well. But I do think that it, there needs to be a mix up and a shakeup, whatever you want to call it. And I, I think that Johan is, is going to come in and he's going to kind of break up some of these stagnant positions or roles or people in certain areas. You know, a, a company like Harley Davidson, when you get person in, in a spot and that has been there for a really long time, and I'm, this is just me speculating, you know, sometimes they're there and they stay there because they put in so much hard work and it's kind of like you owe it to them. You're not going to take out someone that's been there for 30 years and put in their time. But, but the fact of the matter is, is, you know, Harley Davidson does need to change a little bit. They do need to switch things up. They do need to appeal to a newer uh, retail environment that we're in now. These, you know, the baby boomers and, um, you know, the generation even younger than them are just buying bikes in a different way and they have a different style and they want something different. They don't want the, the eagles and the flames and the pirate costumes anymore. And, you know, things have to, things have to change. So to answer your question, I think it's, I think I, I have high hopes. I think it's going to be good. I think, I think he can be really good for the company. Yeah. And what's the guy's name? Johan Zeitz, which is a German. He's from Germany. Yo, Johan. You know, one thing when he walks into a room, he always has his thumbs tucked. When he <laughs> enters, he always has a tucked thumb. A tucked thumb. <laughs> yeah. If you don't tuck your knuckle and you catch that, like you catch that, you can break your thumb. You hurt somebody. All right. Where? where that was. Brian? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Must be peeping. Ain't nothing Tom. flowing funny. Dustin, do you need to go potty too? No, I'm good, dude. Everybody, anybody need to potty? Did you guys have a fight? <laughs> <laughs> Usually, you all pee at the same time. You're like girls. <laughs> they do go to the bathroom together all at the same time. time. Every time. No, no, Ryan I never says, go to the bathroom. I usually go get a refresher out of the fridge. Like your all's bladders are in sync. 
That's so That's if the one stalls out of toilet paper, the other person can pass you something underneath. Well, <laughs> toilet paper is at a minimum right now. Yeah. Did you guys yeah. see that live? Did you guys see that live stream where they were pass, uh, passing Jack Daniels to each other? But the, you know they each had their own bottle, so it looked like when they passed it over into the frame, the other one grabbed it, uh-uh. and then they took a drink of it and passed it down. We need to do shit like that. Hey man, we do need to do that. That'd be cool. Pass, pass the merch. That sounds way too complicated. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> well, you I don't want well used Merkin. If, if he knows what a Merkin is now. Hey, 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 Matt. Yes, sir. Do you do you know what a Merkin is? Um, if I am understanding your pronunciation, did you say American? M e r i c a n? No. Merkin, yeah. M-E-R-K-I-N. Oh, uh, I do not know what that is, no. Oh, God. <laughs> Back in the 16th century, <laughs> the whores had syphilis so bad that their pubic hair fell out. So they created what's called a merkin, and it is a pubic wig to disguise the fact that they have syphilis. Interesting. Wow, and they I sell them on Amazon. <laughs> they do. Wow. You, you can buy them on Amazon right now. You can get heart shaped. You can get clover shaped. <laughs> Christmas tree shaped. Yeah, no, whatever you, whatever you like. Something. Whatever your flavor. Five also known as kitty carpet. <laughs> yeah. That's very cool. There we go. We are just full of yeah. information, aren't we? All right, yeah. Tony. So now, you, Tony. Now you have to ask him your question. Well, he's in he's in uh, California. I well, know. he goes to Vegas. I'm sure. White Castles. Are 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 you a fan of the White Castle? Have you ever had one? No. Uh, no. Is that that's the restaurant, right? Yeah, it's a little like slider burger. Yeah, I've I've heard of it. I've seen it. What's that popular movie where those two guys go to White Castle? Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> Harold and Kumar. Uh, yeah, Kumar, Harold and Kumar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't believe I've ever been to a White Castle before, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, they we don't are, have we those are big California. fans. Yeah. yeah you, guys got, you guys got the In-N-Out. You don't need to worry about any other burger joint. I wouldn't either. Yeah. I don't, I don't I blame do, me. I do In-N-Out like twice a week, so. Oh, shit. I've never yeah. had one. I had In-N-Out once. I went out to Vegas. <laughs> this is during my honeymoon. I went out to Vegas, and a guy I knew took us out there. And, man, it was a good burger. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, uh, fun fun fact, uh, Baldwin Park. What the fuck are you guys laughing at? Because <laughs> <laughs> you guys love the in and out. Come on now. You guys love the in and out. Dustin, you have two kids. <laughs> well, <laughs> takes practice sometimes. <laughs> yeah. How the hell did we get on that? We were talking about burgers. <laughs> it's just the name in and out. Because we're children. <laughs> Otherwise known as hit Ron it, started it. laughing first. So. It's, my, it's my bad. <laughs> yeah, and I've actually been to a real In-N-Out, too, and here I am acting like a school kid. Well, there's the In-N-Out. Then right next door, there's the Pump and Jerk. No, it's the, no, the Pump and Munch. It's the Come and Go and the Pump and Munch. You, Those are legitimate gas stations, Matt, in the upper Midwest, just so you know. Jesus. In the upper Midwest, we have gas stations. They're called a chain of gas stations. They're called uh, Come and Go and Pump and Munch. 
Oh, wow. I thought you were just joking about those things. No, no, <laughs> no. Wow. The joke is they're real, and that's the worst part. Is it like it's, Home Depot and Lowell's where they're like right across the street from each other? Every, yes. Every time? Yes, there are a couple of towns that are right across the street from each other. I'm not going to the pump and punch no matter. I mean, I'll run out of gas before I go there. That's all <laughs> yeah. I have. Hey, there's, ta- there's towns near us that I live in or that I live in that I drive through. There's fertile, gently. I mean, it, it's awful. It's all, you can like pick these towns out of Minnesota. If you drive through all of them, you've had sex. So... <laughs> because nobody has anything to do up there man (laughs) there's that there's that you could you can stop and fertile at the pump and munch (laughs) you like to build a snowman (laughs) oh it's terrible i heard i heard the pump and munch has good hot pockets (laughs) they yes they they also have good donuts yeah (laughs) they're all cream filled and glazed are they glazed? Man, they you, are. This can't make okay. a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see why not. My gosh, we've know. said I'm worse. I'm sidetracked now. Where were we? I don't know. Went from CEO to come and go. Yeah, I don't know how <laughs> that happened. So, so, Matt, what's your what's your favorite bike? Your favorite bike of all time? Uh, probably the Street Glide Special, which is why I own one. Uh, I really like the Road Glide Special as well. So. I think those are probably my favorites. You know, I'm not talking CVOs. I mean, obviously when you go CVO, it's, you know, basically that, that bike, you know, to the next level, but yeah, street glide and, and road glide special are my two favorite bikes, you know, mostly because I do a lot of freeway riding. And so, you know, the touring bike is obviously the best when you're out there doing, you know, 80, 90 miles an hour and you're laying down a lot of miles. And the fact that I'm pretty tall as well, you know, it's just a bike that fits me the best. If I, if I wasn't, uh, the jolly green giant, then I'd probably <laughs> enjoy a, a low rider S or a fat Bob. Oh, 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 a fat Bob. That, that bike surprised me. I, I didn't think it was going to be as popular as it was or as the it fat is. Bob? Yeah. 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 It's, it's a lot more popular than it was, you know, prior to the 18 model year. Uh, the, the Dyna fat Bob wasn't popular at all. And which was too bad. And you guys have probably heard me say this, you know, before maybe, um, that I, I just think that's the most underrated bike ever. The fat, the Dyna fat Bob and even, even the soft tail fat Bob, I think is underrated. It's a really good bike. And my best buddy, he's got a 15 fat Bob. He loves it. Yeah. That's a rad bike. Yeah. His license plate says Linda. Oh. <laughs> Linda. My buddy named his bike after our other friend's bomb. So they always tell these jokes back and forth, like, you know, I, I fucked your mom and all this, oh you know, people, had, people did back in the day. Well, it continued on into our thirties now, you know, we're all almost 40. So it's still, it still happens all the time. So when me and my buddy, we decided to buy bikes, he got his six months after me and he's like, I've got it. He's like, I'm going to name my bike Linda. And our buddy's mom's real name is, is Linda, but it's L-I-N-D-A. And he put L-I-N-D-U-H on the license plate. <laughs> so he could ride Linda whenever he wants. All right, Discord friends, FTP's about to answer your questions. Make sure you head over to 5DirtyBikers.com and click the link on the homepage to visit our Discord and become a member. All right. Who wants to lead off with one? Well, I want to I want to say this one. It's not really a question. It's just something that um, our friend Percy wanted Matt to know. 
Percy says, no question, but I would like to send a message to say thanks for giving the Fat Bob some love on your channel, Matt. It's a greatly underappreciated bike by the geezer crowd. By the geezer crowd, huh? <laughs> <laughs> now, Percy's got a, a bitchin' looking Fat Bob. What is it? A, is it an 18 or a 19? Tony, do you know? It's an 18, or? but he's, he's done a lot to it. Oh, it's, man, it's, it's looking awesome like looking. It. Yeah. Yeah, he's done. He's got it stage two. He's got. Yeah, he does. Doesn't he? Have yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He wants he's stage got the two. Cam. Yeah. Does that make a big difference, Matt? Is it legit? You know, it, it redistributes the power. It's. I mean, you can either do the torque cam or the power cam. So the torque cam is going to favor that low end torque more. And yes, it does make a difference. You do feel that. I mean, it gives you even more of that immediate punch right off the line. But you, you know, it tapers down a little bit more as you get into the higher RPM. So if you're a guy that likes to keep it in a sweet spot of what typically a Harley likes to be ridden in, you know, right around that, that three to 4,000 RPM range, you're, you're going to benefit from having more of that power more frequently, you know, in that, that throttle range, the RPM range, I, just, I should say. But if, if you really want to increase the power, you got to bump the displacement. So like a, a stage three or four at that point is where you're really going to start getting a significant power jump. And I'd love to yeah, see my I mean, sport glide at a stage four. God damn it. I mean, the 107's got gobs of power. At least I, I feel it does. I, I agree. I mean, I just, I have a stage one 107 in my street glide and dude, I, I go plenty fast on that bike. So. Yeah. I'm same boat. I have a stage one. I have an 18 slim and I mean, it's, it's all the power I need. I don't want to go any faster to be honest. Can't hang on that long. No, I can't, man. <laughs> Wendy. It's all that it's all that torque. See, if you had more horsepower, it would even out. What? That's why you can't go that long, because all that torque. If it's you get horsepower, torque. horsepower give you longevity. Uh, uh, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question from Bri the Biker, Matt. He says, with the Coast Glide being such a hit and winning Battle of the Kings, what are the chances of seeing you build a bike to reflect the Chicano style that is such a unique California style as well? We, we've built them before, actually. Uh, we've built them and to sell them off the floor. Uh, I, guess, I guess I would ask, you know, in, in what capacity, like for a competition or just to build to then sell? Um, because... You know, we, we build them all the time. One of the big restraints we do have, though, is exhaust in California, like we talked about earlier. And kind of a signature characteristic of those bikes is the fishtail dual exhaust coming off the back. I mean, if you don't have that, you don't have a, a Vicla, as they call them, the Chicano style. So right. we're a little bit constrained in our ability to build one in the dealership and sell it off the floor. We can do the ape hangers, and we do those all the time. And you know, we can do the, the white wall spoke wheels, but, um, yeah, I, I'd like to see the motor company do one, quite frankly, you know, I'd like to see them do like a Springer front end, bring the Springer back, do something like, uh, a, a, what's on a deluxe right now, the big fenders, the, you know, the kind of that, that classic fifties styling, but yeah, I mean, we, we're always trying to build them and, and you know, we're always looking for them used as well. Because if you buy them pre-owned with that stuff on there already, you can sell them without any limitations. But It could yeah. come with a free, pair of, a free pair of chinos and a wife beater and a white and blue plaid shirt with one button on top. 
That's right, man. That, the blanket roll on the front of the, the handlebars there, you got it, man. They're all over Instagram. Yeah. yeah they stuff. Like, they're cool looking. It's a cool, it's a very unique, cool style, and it's been around forever. I just think that with the, uh, the internet and Instagram and everything, it's just gotten more blown up in the last three, four years. And, you know, it's not just the, you know, the uh, Latin or Hispanic people that ride them either. I mean, I got, I got guys coming from the Midwest, you know, white guys that say like, yeah, you guys build them better than anybody else. I'm coming down and, and buying a, a gangster out deluxe from you guys and taking it back to, you know, wherever Michigan or whatever. So they just want that to say that they got, that they got it in, in California. That that's all that is in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. You you got some street cred. If you come from California with that bike, that's all it is. Yeah, no, I guess there's some truth to that. Gives you more street cred if you get it from uh, East LA, I guess. I don't know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I've seen a few. I've seen a few around here too. Yeah, the the fishtail and yeah. If you were going to speculate, if that if that style of bike went away, what do you think would replace it um, for the same crowd of people that that likes those bikes? What do you think would replace it in Harley's current lineup? That's a great question. Um, Heritage, maybe. Yeah, you know, the, yeah, the, and the Heritage and the Deluxe are you know pretty similar. And there's plenty of those those Viglas, if you want to call it that, that are built on the Heritage platform. Um, there's some that are built. I mean, the, the most popular bikes stock that that type of a build, a Vigla build, is on is the Deluxe, the Heritage, the Road King, and then Springers. So, which they don't make anymore, obviously. So, yeah, I, I think the Heritage and the Deluxe are very similar, especially if you take the windshield and the bags off of the Heritage. You basically got a Deluxe to a certain extent. Sure. And I think you know Harley Davidson. You know, they're always trying to eliminate crossover or, or whatever. So, I don't know. Matt, what is your guys' best mover at Laidlaw? The Roguelides. Roguelides sell really well. And then, you know, for a long time, it was the Iron 883. We sold a bunch of those. We're, we're having a hard time with inventory on Sportsters right now, though. We're just not getting as many as we used to. Um, and then, um, hmm. you know... You know, uh, I would say actually starting this model year, the Lowrider S is by far our best seller. Uh, the Lowrider S is just absolutely taken off. Like we, we pre-sell pretty much every single one of those that, that comes through our doors. So um, after the Lowrider S, it would be the, the Roguelide, Roguelide Special to be exact. Hmm. Hey, what well, Leo's Roguelide Special? Yeah. Is, yeah. It spe- is it special or just a Roguelide? Special. It's a two-ball... Yeah, Number billiard ball blue, billiard yeah, blue, billiard blue. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, that's a good color. I wish the sport glide came in that color. I would have bought that. I always end up with a black bike. I don't know why. <laughs> you never go back. I, I mean, I, every time, every time I buy one, I end up walking out of the black one. I'm like, damn it! <laughs> you walk a little funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what. The lowrider dress only comes in two get? colors right now, doesn't it? Yeah, just the silver and black. Yeah. What happens when you go to Harley, Tony? Huh? Well, it all depends on what you're going after, but it's 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 rough sometimes. It's a little pricey. Yeah. Mad knows all about that. Oh yeah. <gasps> hey, man, I got a great T-shirt idea. Because you get the five dirty bikers, and we always talk about the three sixty fucking when you go to Harley, right? <laughs> <laughs> now we're just playing on words. That's all we're doing. We all love Harleys. I mean, that's I love. Even I like a Harley. I don't like a Donna. 
but I like a Harley. <laughs> yeah. Could you have a shirt that said, I got laid at Laidlaw's <laughs> if you had a special bike build? <laughs> uh, that, I like that. That is a good idea. Um, yep. <laughs> You know, you buy, for everybody you know, that buys a bike, you lay, yeah, that's how you, you can give them a lay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got laid at late lows. <laughs> yeah. Be good. You know, uh, my family's pretty dang conservative. So <laughs> that's not, yeah. That, that but, might be frowned upon. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because, uh, you know, generally speaking, you know, the, the Harley crowd and the biker crowd, you know, they're, they're not the most, uh, conservative or reserved people. And I wouldn't say we're reserved, but you know, the, 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 you know, the, the craziness, the, I don't know, I guess the innuendos and stuff like that, like just wouldn't really fly with, you know, my family too much. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that shirt idea is going to work out, Mike. I, I like the creative. Well, yeah, it's good. Well, you know, it's, it's all, you know, I try. Well, that'll be the first shirt you can make when you when you when you uh, when you take over. You just have to give Mike credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have Mike design it, and then we'll give him a little bit of a royalty for every shirt sold. There you nice. go. Yeah. There you go, Mike. <laughs> There's your retirement plan. Late at late laws t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. do, do we have any other questions? Yeah, there's one here from Joshua Curtis thirteen. He is, I think, new in our Discord. Yeah. Um, I think the first part of his question has probably already been answered, which was, what is your favorite motorcycle? Harley. You've answered that. And non-Harley. The, the street glide, yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite non-Harley? Uh, that's tough. I really like dirt bikes a lot. And so, you know, I really like the, uh, like the, the KTM EXCs, kind of the, uh, the dual sport KTMs are cool. I really like, you know, I really, I'm getting into the, the whole adventure, uh, scene. I, I'm kind of getting pumped up for when the Pan America comes out. So I, I've ridden a couple of the, I've ridden the KLRs. My dad is actually a huge KLR fan. He's had a lot of them over the years. I've ridden a bunch of KLRs over the years. And, um, so, you know, I, I, I really like like the GS, the BMW GS is a cool bike. I really like the, uh, the the 1290 KTM Super Adventure that's a that's a cool bike I've never ridden that one actually but it it looks awesome but if I had to pick a second bike it would probably be a KTM dirt bike an EXC 450 oh that's a good choice right there <laughs> I tell you man that's I I absolutely loved my KLR for everything that it was yeah. and the reason that I got rid of it is because I thought I was going to be doing a lot more distance riding and come to find out there's a lot of, uh, you know, low maintenance or minimum maintenance roads around Topeka. And I found myself riding a ATV park and, you know, going up rock ledges and stuff like that and trying to do that. You can do it with a KLR. It's just not the best choice. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's the only reason I bought that CRF is because for the, for the type of riding that I like to do, it fits me perfectly. So. Yeah, that, that's a rad bike. If I didn't do the KTM, I would, my second choice would be the, you know, like the Honda, like the C, yeah, the CRF 450. You got, you got yeah. the L or you got the CRF? I got this. It's the four, it's the CRF 450 L. Yeah. It's like the dual sport enduro, yeah. whatever. And then they've got the X, which is the 
same, you know, same, pretty much same bike as the L and then you've got the R, which is the race bike. Right. But, right. uh, the L's got the race suspension and a lot of, you know, I mean, it, there's a lot of stuff that's very similar on a bike parts interchange and a whole nine yards. So, yeah, I think that the L's like the street legal one with like the headlight and like the horn and all that stuff possibly. Yeah. yeah that's a rad bike. Yeah. I, I'm a yeah. huge, I, I rode Hondas my whole life growing up. So yeah, Honda makes a great product. Yes, they do. Yeah. <laughs> this is my, this is my second Honda and my first Honda was a Honda 50 had a little orange my first honda had an orange gas tank and a little banana seat and no rear suspension and i rode that thing till i was like 12 or 13 and so you know i was never able to afford a regular honda a good honda i was convinced you're going to come home with a monkey (laughs) (laughs) that was funny though dude i want to ride one of those like badly me too. I think they're I think they're cool. Little bikes, <laughs> you too. <laughs> you probably feel the same way I do. Where am I going to put my legs? <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. Oh, geez, <laughs> it'd be a circus act. <laughs> it would be fun to watch. Video. It would. Be, just the seat on them, like it's like a bigger seat than my sport glide. Did you see? Did you? I, I'm I'm assuming you've saw one up at Ted's or yeah yeah I actually yeah. sat on one at Ted's. I'm like I need this. They're man, they're really comfortable. The monkey is really comfortable. I just couldn't ride that damn thing down the road, man. I guess I could. But. Well, you you you'd could. Be the, you'd be the most Ryan likely one of us not. to ride. I know, man. You know, I'm. Five you foot look five. like a normal person riding it. Yeah, it probably <laughs> actually fit me. Be the only bike that would fit. I know. You wouldn't have to worry about your. You wouldn't have to worry about your hands looking out of place. No, I mean when you when I saw your KLR, I'd need a pogo stick to get on that thing, man. It was huge. Yeah. Be like, look, there's Bilbo riding a monkey. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm glad to see that the adventure and enduro and dual sport stuff is is starting to grow a little bit more than what it has over the past few years, definitely. Yeah, I think we're just right at the the beginning of a, a huge movement in popularity as well. I, mean, I think it's increasing dramatically in popularity. I think Europe, we've already, they've seen huge increase in popularity. I think that's part of the reason why Harley Davidson's getting into it is I think they said it's the fastest growing segment in the world right now, as far as, you know, motorcycle discipline or, or, or riding type. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will have to admit I was, I was excited at first about the Pan America and then I was not excited about the Pan America because I figured it would weigh 900 pounds. And once I started seeing a little more, you know, once they released, you know, a couple of little, Hey, here, here's what the specs might be type of thing. I started, you know, basically I regrouped and said, if the Pan America is anything that they say in the, Hey, this may not necessarily be the specs, but it, it might be. If any of that is true, the Pan America is going to be a fucking hit period. Yeah, I think um, I think it's going to be right there with where the GS and that Super Adventure KTM are. And I mean, those bikes own really the majority of the market share. BMW has the lion's share of the market in the adventure touring, and KTM I think is is second. And you know, Har- Harley. I don't obviously I don't know what the weight is going to be, but Harley has said it's going to be competitive with the other you know big boys in that space. So I mean, that's. You know, what is that around like 500 pounds or so, you know, so it's, yeah, 
I think this, I think the BMW is like six fifty or something like that. I just hope the price comes in right. I think it needs to be mid five, mid mid twenties. They've said it's going to be competitive pricing as well, and so yeah, I think the, those GS and the Super Super Adventure, those bikes are all up there in the high teens. You know, so I think the KTM's right under twenty, like eighteen, nineteen grand. So yeah, I, I, can, I mean, I, I think it'll be less than mid twenties. You know, I would I, hope so. I mean, that would be great. I mean, what's the Africa Twin? That's a big bike too. That that's pretty popular, and it's what nineteen, eighteen, nineteen grand. Uh, seven. It's it's. I think it's seventeen five or eighteen for the for the DCT. Is that version. the automatic? Yeah. Why in it? Okay. I, I don't understand the whole automatic thing. I don't get it. That's for lazy shifters. Well, I mean, it just <laughs> plain and simple, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you could just twist the throttle and never, I mean, it's like, sort of like, it's sort of like having a recluse clutch in your, in your bike is like, I mean, you, you might know, as well you get just... on a scooter and ride the damn scooter down the road. <laughs> I mean, if you're on an off road, wouldn't you want the ability to have, to be able of the gears well you you have it it's sort of like a four-wheeler i mean even even though you're riding a four-wheeler or whatever else you still have engine braking and stuff like that so when you let off the throttle it i'm not buying it i'm not <laughs> well they can keep it you, you don't have to buy it <laughs> has a, a 15 or a, a 19 for just under or almost 14 grand and it's got a lot of extras on it it's actually nice looking. They're, they're cool bikes. Aftermarket right. exhaust, yeah. I think the other distinction that's kind of important is some of these adventure bikes are a little bit more on-road capable as compared to off-road capable. And I think the Africa Twin, I've, I've never ridden it, but I've watched a lot of reviews and stuff. I think the Africa Twin is a little bit more off-road focused and capable. So you really got to kind of uh, take a, a, figure out exactly what type of riding you're going to be doing. If it's going to be more like on the, on the highway, on really nice paved roads, well, that's going to kind of direct your choice to a different bike. You know, whereas like the GS and I think like the KTM, those are a little bit, you know, heavier than the Africa Twin. And so they're going to be doing better on the road, but not necessarily as good in the dirt. And again, I'm just speculating. I think the the Harley-Davidson Pan America is going to be a little bit more highway capable. So, you know, if you get like a lot of like uh, sketchy terrain like whoops and things like that in the desert then you know you're, you're probably gonna need something lighter than you know those those three bikes the pan america the gs or the super touring the super adventure yeah definitely not a klr unless you have upgraded every com- part completely on it then you can handle it but otherwise it's still heavy wasn't yeah, there a second part to that question one. mary from um it says if Laidlaw Harley didn't didn't exist, what do you see yourself doing? Uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, if if it never existed at all, then I probably wouldn't even be in motorcycles. You know, as sad as that is, um, not that I don't. I mean, I love it; it's my life. But I just, I don't know. I. I probably be doing something stupid and boring who knows like uh, I really like you know YouTube and content creation so you know at this point in my life now that I've spent so much time doing that for you know the the dealership and and Harley Davidson content creation I'd probably do something in uh, 
I mean, I'd probably try to do YouTube full time, quite frankly. I mean, that's, that's tough. Um, you need a ton of people, you know, subscribing and, and following and engaging with you. But um, yeah, at this point in my life, if there was no, you know, dealership, I didn't work at, at the Harley dealership. I'd probably work, try to work at something related to Harley Davidson. If there was no Harley Davidson, I'd probably just try to do something, you know, YouTube or, or video online content creation of some, some type. My, Matt, do you find it hard to do the videos with time restrictions? Cause a lot of people don't understand how much time these things take. I mean, they take a lot of time to make a proper video. Oh, totally. And, and honestly, like the more I do it, the, the higher standard I hold, I hold myself to, like, I'm always trying to, you know, have my production quality better and better. And so like the mental drain and just the editing, I mean, some of these videos take me 10, 12 hours to edit and it, yeah, it is, it's, I get burnt. I get creative burnout a lot. Like I'm, I'm, I'm always burnt out, but you know, there, there's nothing like uploading that video and, you know, watching the views and people comment and stuff like that, like where it, it kind of makes it all worth it. You know, it's like anything else in life, you know, you, you work hard at something, you know, the process can kind of get daunting and tiresome and grueling. But, you know, once you finish that project or whatever it may be, you see the end result and it's like, okay, that, that was worth it, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. Just, I mean, you guys all create videos, you know, so it, it can get, mm-hmm. it can get tiresome. Absolutely. It, it sure. Yeah. The people just don't understand between the shooting and the editing and everything that goes with it. I mean, you can spend 10, 20 hours on one video. Yeah. And then you just become a, a bad critic of yourself. And I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but you know, I, I mean, I'll, I'll edit out, like if I take a breath wrong or if you know, there's a yeah. too much dead space, I'll, I'll like chop all that audio up and yeah, you just kind of become a perfectionist, which I guess is kind of a, a, a flaw of mine. I should probably just, you know, send stuff out like 80% instead of hundred percent. And just, just so that way I'm not, you know, spending crazy amounts of time. But anyways, well, that's kind of where I'm at. That's cool. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. So I get to about eighty percent done, and I'm like, "Fuck it, I'm over it." <laughs> you know? Yep. All right. Do do we have Walter's? We do. We do. This is from this is from Walter. Uh, he's got two questions. First question is, what is the average time you have seen that new Harley riders ride their Sportsters before trading those in for an upgrade? The average time. That, yeah, that's tough. It's that that's all over the place. I've seen people buy a Sportsters and keep them forever. I've seen people buy a Sportster and trade it in in like three weeks. But if I had to guess, uh, I'd probably say, you know, your your typical rider kind of going through that that cycle of you know getting into bikes and growing out of them and stuff. I'd probably say a year, a year and a half. A lot depends on their past riding experience as well and like their age and and what they're going to be using the bike for. In Southern California, we just have a lot of freeways and a lot of, you know, you're on the, you're on the freeway a lot. So you're doing high speeds a lot and Sportsters just aren't the best freeway bike. And so, you know, here I see people grow out of them fairly quickly. Of course, there's also those guys that just want it for around town. Maybe they live out by the beach and just want to get to and from there. You know, when things get really crowded and congested and like the parking is really tough, they want a bike to be able to navigate that really well. They'll keep a sportster for a long time because they're just using it locally. 
And then I know the guys that um, just love sportsters and just kind of love that raw mechanical, you know, everything that's cool about a sports are the simplicity and everything. And they'll ride those damn things to Sturgis, you know? So yeah. it, it just, it just depends on the person. And then his second question was also on an average, how many street models do you sell per month? Oh boy. Yeah, really, really low. Uh, <laughs> if they would have just changed the fucking tank, the the damn gas tank would have. That's what that's what messed it up for the street. Ugly. I it is. That's an ugly tank. I think you're right, Mike. I think you're totally right, actually. Um, yeah, the tank just is not appealing to hardly anybody. But to answer the question, you know, we sell less than one a month. I mean, I have, and they're not, they're not shipping them anymore. I mean, I don't think people, people realize that, but the motor company, you know, it's still on their website and everything like that. Like it's just a model offered like, like everything else, but the supply is extremely low. Like they only, I want to say last year, they probably shipped me like four or five all year. And <laughs> you know, in, in 2020, they've, I think they've shipped me like two maybe. And, and they were like, they were street rods. They don't even make the 500 anymore unless you order them for the Riders Academy, which is, you know, the class. So right. they only make the, the Street 750 and they make the Street Rod, which is basically a 750 with a nicer suspension, a little bit different cam. And, you know, some of the peripherals on it, like the seat and the fairing are a little bit different. But, yeah, I think I've only gotten two streets the whole 2020 model year so far. And they were the, the Street Rods. I may have gotten one 750, but, yeah, no, nobody buys those bikes. So it's yeah. safe to say it's not a big seller. Very safe to say that, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I think is unique about it too is that when Mike was talking about the tank, I saw one of those in a uh, in a dealership. I, I honestly I didn't know what it was. I was looking for them across the store, and I said that looks like a pretty cool bike. And so I was walking over to it, and just like Mike said, as soon as I stood over it and I saw that big dinner plate on the top of the tank, I was like, "What is this?" And so the, the bike itself, actually, when you're looking at the profile, you're looking at it far away, it's kind of a cool looking little bike. But then as soon as you get up and you stand over it and you look down and that whole tank is flat on the top, you're like, what the, what did they do? Yeah. That ruined it. I mean, as a rider, what do you see? You look right down at the tank and I don't want to look at a dinner plate. I don't want to uh, top of my tank be where I can serve turkey on. Well, it's a great place for Tony to put his white castles. Yeah, you put your white <laughs> castles on there and ride down the road. No, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't even look like a heart is the thing. I mean, it, well, it, it does. If they would put the gas tank off of like a fat Bob on that bike, it would, it would completely change the bike. How many gallon is that one? The street? No, the fat Bob. It's three. Two and a half. It's three, yeah. 3.6 is what the okay. new fat Bob is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I can see that. But yeah, I, I, I think you're actually, I think you're right, Mike. I think that they missed on the, the fuel tank among other things, but I think you're right. I think if they change the shape of the fuel tank, that may have actually changed a lot of people's perspective of that bike. I think you should write them a letter, Mike, because I think you're onto something there. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm with, I'm with Ryan too. The hand controls, they, they need to be updated. There's, yeah, there's that. And I mean, that's just, yeah, it's definitely not Harley Davidson quality and, and uh, on par with what you typically expect from a Harley. But at the same time, they were, they were trying to achieve a low price point. So 
I don't hold that against them too much because you got to make cuts somewhere if you're going to get the bike down to a certain price. It is pretty close to a Sportster. You know, you're only looking at about a thousand bucks more and you get a Sportster and the Sportster has all those things that we talked about. They've got the, the, the look, the aesthetics, the, the silhouette of the fuel tank, the, the air-cooled mechanical feeling that you can, you know, the heart and soul of a Harley as so many people refer to it as. So for a thousand bucks more, you get kind of the, what everybody expects from a Harley. Yeah. Or you can save the thousand dollars and get a six speed rather than a five speed. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> you know that Mike, <laughs> a lot of people don't know that about this, the street. I told you, man, I'm, I'm a, I'm a small bike guy. I don't like those. I don't like those baggers. Okay. No, I do like baggers. Actually street dog specials. My, that is my favorite bike as well. So Matt, I got a question for you. Do you ever plan on taking some cross country rides or trips? Is that in your agenda at any time? Yeah, um, I actually leave on Saturday. We're going to uh, we're going to Zion in in Utah. We're going to go through Zion and then to Bryce National Park. Yeah, so we're leaving. Um, like I said on Saturday, we're, I'm I'm working you know a full day on Saturday, and we're getting on the bikes after work. Maybe we'll cut out a little bit early, but we plan on then. It's about 350 miles to uh, St. George, Utah. We're going to take me and some of the guys that work at the shop with me and spend the night in St. George and then ride through Southern Utah the next day. So yeah, I'll be, I'll be probably posting a video on that in the next uh, week or so. Sweet. Utah is probably a beautiful ride through there. Yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. Getting there kind of sucks going up the 15 freeway. But once you get to Utah, especially this time of year, because in the summer it gets really hot, but right now it's like perfect where it's like sixties, seventies up there. So it should be a nice ride. Nothing, nothing's worse than driving from Springfield to Chicago on I-55. I don't care how cold or warm it is. That shit's boring. <laughs> it's really? not if you like corn. <laughs> you better love I've corn, man. So much corn in my life than when I was out there. I mean, it's all it is is corn. There is, man. It's starting to sprout up after these rains we've had this week. That's what she said. Keep it dirty, riders. And we'll see you next time on the FDB Podcast.